Last week we were going to do some things about going to heaven, but we're not. We're going to do something else. Um, and uh, then next week we'll, we'll, we'll go to heaven. We'll go to the third heaven. We'll look around heaven. We'll uh, see what it's going to be like, what it uh, looks like. All of that is in Scripture. All of that is there. But there's something that I just, it kind of struck me this week, and I just wanted to kind of talk with you guys about it and, uh, and so forth. Uh, last week we got through with the glory plan, God's glory plan. We looked at the dispensation of the fullness of times and so forth. I tried to give you a very general, very general overview of what it looks like, the times and everything. Uh, we were talking again in Matthew 1, there's a verse there that's got 42 generations from Abraham to Christ. And you go run that bad boy out and you figure it out and you times it by 8 and carry the 2 and divide by 30. And you get like 4,200 years from Abraham to the Lord. So you can, have, you can understand the timing. Then you take the first 11 chapters, which is roughly 2,000 years of human history. So 2 plus 4 is what? 6 when I was in school. I don't know what they do nowadays online. <laughs> You know, you can you can Google it, I guess, before you have to answer it, but uh, or or have some uh, help in that way. But uh, so you know, literally from Adam to the Lord, you have about six thousand years. Okay, so it's an interesting thing. We talked about that. You can see it. You can understand it. It's here in Scripture. That's the thing about it. But also last weekend was our ninth year here, uh, and in this complex, we moved here at the end of of uh, May. Um, in, in 2011, and actually Memorial Day weekend, this, is a, this year it's all late, and, and I, it got me to thinking, you know, and by the way, you know how I remembered? Facebook <laughs> popped up the little memory thing, you know, hey, remember, blah, I'm like, no, I didn't remember that. Oh, yes, I guess so, look at that. But what it got me to thinking about was everything that you've been hearing on Facebook or in the media and social media and stuff about churches and should they meet, should they get back together? Should, don't you know the church isn't the building? You know, don't you know this and that? Come on, guys. If you have to go to a building to worship, then you're really not. And all, you know, all of the, 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 the noise, I call it, okay? And, and, and really, a lot of that has been drowned out in the recent days with all of the stuff happening with, uh, with uh, George, George Floyd's death and, and the protesting and then the riots and everything and the looting and all of that. And we're not going to talk about all that. You know what's going on there. You see it. But what I do want you to see is this issue about, I, I titled this morning, We're Back, and, and why there is a need and why it's important that we meet together. And, and, and it's an interesting thing. God made man. Come back to Genesis. I know I told you 1 Corinthians. That's why I turned that thing off. It's more of a, look, look at Genesis and look at chapter Chapter 2, just real quick here, okay? God has made man, uh, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Uh, in chapter 1, we're made after the image of God, the three parts of us, our, our spirit, our soul, and our body, uh, matching up with the Godhead. But in chapter 2 then, he goes on down, and in verse uh, Oh, where to go? Eight, uh, 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be what? Alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. See the them? Okay? 
and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. That verse is very deep, very powerful verse to tell you and to show you that Adam was a very intellectual uh, human. He was not an idiot. He wasn't a caveman, bring her over here, hit her on the head type of, you know, caveman drawings. He was not a caveman at all. He was actually very brilliant to sit and to look at the name and look at the animals, to observe the animal creation, to observe what they did. How in the world would he call a cat, a lion, and a tiger, and all of that? But he, got, he, he investigated that. He looked at it. He understood their characteristics. Why did he call a lion a lion, and then the tiger, instead of calling her a tiger, called that a horse? Yeah, I mean, you think about what's going on here, and you know what God did? God never corrected Adam. He let him name him. Let him name him. Verse 20, and God and Adam gave names to all cattle, to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. Adam is sitting there looking, and he sees a male and a female, and all of the animal creation. He looks around, and guess what he, guess what he realizes? He is what? Lonely. He is alone. You see, man was never created to be alone. Now, everybody has different personalities, and, and I know people who have personalities of they don't need a companion, they can be alone, they can, I, and I'm not, that's not what we're talking about. But God made man and created man to be social and to be around one another. And, and I, would, I just wanted to take this morning and just kind of remember, uh, to remind us of some things, uh, come back there to 1 Corinthians 11. And, and as we do, I, I, I wrote this in an email to all of you, and, and I'm just going to reread it because I wrote it and it was pretty good. <laughs> okay? Uh, I'm just kidding. Come on. Well, what's that? Oh, you deleted it? Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, first time too. Well, you know, that, 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 that's just like... Uh, the joke I heard this past week, uh, what did 50 Cent do when he was hungry? 58. <laughs> hey, I'm t- I could go, we could do those, right? Oh, okay. How about uh, 50 Cent is a musician. Okay? I realize, fit, yeah, 50, whatever. You know what? I, I told Linda she should embrace her mistakes, so she gave me a hug. <laughs> Keep, see, I can, we could do this all morning, right? You know? Uh, what do you call an explosive monkey? A, a baboon? <laughs> yeah, anyway. All right. I should write a book. It, it is a book. <laughs> so, anyway, 1 Corinthians 11. And we get to thinking about some of this and the issue of being back together. Um, I, again, I sent an email out to everyone, and I, you, you, as a pastor, you get a lot of pulls and tugs, and you get a lot of do, do's and don'ts thrown at you, and uh, you get a lot of, a lot of uh, microscope put on you, and intensity, light, and, and so it causes you to stop and think about things, and, and, and again, I, I understand that um, while our daily lives have been disrupted and we're constantly bombarded by facts and information and data you know and so forth what a wonderful time to remember who we are and what we're about during our time here on the earth we're ambassadors for Christ 
But that's our job. Our public statements, our testimony is one of grace and peace from the Godhead. That's what our job is. And in that statement of grace and peace is the very real fact that he would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, folks, we do have a testimony to the community around us. Ephesians 3, we'll see it here in a minute. He says we're to make all men see. Visible demonstration. And again, while the order to stay home is very frustrating, our task, our vocation as ambassadors for Christ, that's what our focus should be. That's why we did what we did. And none of the orders that came down from the governor, from the CDC, from the president, federal level, said that a church couldn't meet. None of them did. I talked to our insurance company, our, their lawyers, just to clarify a couple things I read, read. <laughs> and they're like, no, you can meet. However, as I got to thinking about it, what is our testimony around us? The Sunday before we decided to suspend in-person meetings, we had 65 of us here that morning. When I looked in the, at the street, it's packed. It's like, wow, that's a good deal. Great to see that many folks. But then what happens when the governor said, hey, we're going to suspend the restaurants and all that, and we're going to go to stay at home. What would have happened if we'd have showed up the next Sunday with 65 of us to the neighborhood? Okay? So there's something that begins to think about it. So that's why we did what we did. It wasn't because we were cowering underneath uh, an oppressive thumb of the left wing or the right wing of the central government. See, I got them all. <laughs> See, I got them all, okay? It was the fact that we look at stuff a little differently when we understand who we are in Christ. Now that the governor and all the has kind of lessened, it's time to get back together. But there's a reason why. We can come together. I read Facebook posts and Twitter posts and parlor posts and TikTok and whoop-de-doo and Instagram and all this stuff out there. And people are saying, oh, you guys, you don't need to go to church to worship. You can do that at home. And it got me to think, actually it made me mad at first. But then it got me to thinking about what does Scripture say about the local church? Not what, is, what do I think, what a... Joe Schmo over here thinks, but what does the scripture say about the local church? It's interesting with the Apostle Paul. You got 1 Corinthians 11? Flip back to Acts 28. It's when you think about Paul, he's our pattern. Acts 28. The last, the, the last two verses of Acts 28. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own house, in his own hired house. So Paul's under house arrest. Could Paul go anywhere he wanted to go? The answer is no. He wasn't free to go. He just wasn't down at the dungeon. He wasn't down at the Fourth Street Jail. Okay, he was at. He had a hired house. He had a rented out a house, and he was there. But notice the next. So he was in a quarantine, wasn't he? He's shut down. But notice the next thing receiving all that came into him. You see, he wasn't restricted in who could come and visit him. We've been a little restricted. 
But yet Paul was able to do what? Have everyone come in and out. And there's a reason why. And that's what I want you to see this morning. Now, 1 Corinthians 11. Because when you begin to think about Paul and you begin to think about Scripture and what it says about the local church, the local church is a place where the saints come together. Not for a social event. Not for fellowship. I know we're big in fellowshipping, and we have a, I call it halftime between the morning, a half hour there. That's not why we come to church. We come to church because the local church is a place where the communication of sound doctrine is to take place. Yes, you can take Scripture and learn and read and, and get and understand on your own. you got the Holy Spirit in you. You're going to get it because he's the teacher. But the local church, Paul over and over says, when you come together. Because the local church is the, play, it's the classroom where sound doctrine is authoritatively communicated. But then it's also that life laboratory. Remember in biology when you had lab? I hated biology, okay, until it was time to dissect the stuff, and then it was kind of cool. But, okay, but you have that what? That lab? See, that's the local assembly, the lab, where you can come then with the teaching, what you learn in the classroom, and then begin to work with each other and around each other, and you get rubbed up with each other, and when you start rubbing up with each other, you can, you can get a little warm and a little friction, and you get to work it out. You see, it, the local church is not a social club. It's not Starbucks. Sorry, I wouldn't mind one next door, but it's not. Okay, it's not a so. It's not a, a a social hour. Now, I'll be honest with you. The reason we have the half hour between is so that you can get up around each other and rub, and get to know each other. Because there's also a thing about the local church and the caring for one another. We're going to see. The only place where we can really be able to exercise the sound doctrine the way that it's meant to be is in a local church. How many times have we tried to forgive someone we work with and it blow, blow up? Do you know the doctrine of forgiveness, about the issue of forgiveness, accurately, truly, and the way it's designed to work can only work in a local church? You can forgive people all day long. We just bury the hatchet and bring it out later. If you're married, you understand that. It, it's just the facts of life. But when, you're in, when you understand what the doctrine of it is, what God's Word says about it, the only place you can truly articulate it, practice it, put it on display, is in that local church. You, by the way, you notice I'm calling it a local church? We're the local geographical gathering together of the members of the church, the body of Christ, the big corporate. We're local. I want you to notice 1 Corinthians 11. Look at verse 17. I just, we're not going to deal with the doctrine and what's going on in the context of the chapter. I just want you to feel the flavor here from Paul. Now in this that I declare unto you. Again, Paul is talking to Corinthians. He is not happy with the Corinthians. They have very bad behavior. They're babes in Christ. They're carnal. 
They're living any old way they want to live. They get together. They run the grace flag up to treat me in grace and leave me alone. Let me do anything and everything I want to do. And Paul bends them over his knee like a dad does with a disobedient child. And he says, listen. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. He's not happy. Okay? That ye, what? Come together. Not for the better, but for the worse. Notice, when you guys get together, bad things are going on. Verse 18. For first of all, when ye come together in the church. Now isn't that interesting? In the church, that's a building he's talking about when he says in the church. Who's the, who is the church, by the way? We are. The people are. This building this building here next door, this is a tool to be used for the work of the ministry. We are. But notice what Paul says. Man, when you guys get together in the church, drop down to verse 20. When you come, to, to, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So when you come together where? Isn't that interesting? One place. We're not down over here at... Rick's house, or Nick's house, or Bill's house, or Bob's house, or Susie's place. We're in what? One place. Now, I'll be honest with you, a little, in, little parenthesis here. The way we do church will be changing. I'm just going to tell you that. Because our society is changing. If you look at the Supreme Court just decided against the groups in California and so forth and everything. And so that is a little, it's a minor thing when you think about in total, but it is a shift in the jurisprudence in this country that's coming. So we may end up down at Rick's house or Nick's house, but the thing is, is we come together where? One place. We're together. Down to verse 33. I tried to pick one chapter, but we're going to run some verses here now, okay? 33. Wherefore, my brethren... When ye come together, all together, right? Verse 34, and if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto... See, they're, they're, what, are the, what is this church at Corinth doing? They're getting together, aren't they? They're coming together. Come back to chapter 5, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 5. By the way, on the overhead, I had like 25 references, so... 1 Corinthians 5, look at verse number 4. Paul's flow here, his terminology when he talks to the churches, to the local churches, it's about being together. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 4. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, when we're what? When we're gathered together. I, by the way, I'll also say this. Do you know there's not a verse, come over to chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, that says that we got to meet on Sunday? Isn't that wonderful? We, as a local church, can decide we can go meet any day of the week we want to when we get together. It's just right now convenient for us to do what? Meet on Sunday. Unless it's racing. <laughs> well, yeah. That's okay. I'll get the fill-in guys. I'm going hunting in September anyway. They don't know that yet. but Well, they do now, I guess. But see, the thing is, is listen, we, there's some, there is some uh, flexibility here. But what isn't flexible? We all come together. 1 Corinthians 14, 
Verse 23, 1 Corinthians 14, 23. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place. Isn't that interesting? Now when he says whole church there, he's not talking about the whole church, the body of Christ, because there's no way for all of them to come into one place. He's talking about what? That whole church locally there at Corinth. And see that? Now, when we come together, come over with me to Romans 1. When we get together, it's for some things to take place and to happen. And, and I'll be honest with you, 20 years ago when we started doing, we started the, the church here at Romans 1, and everything, you know, I listen back to some of them old stuff. I read my old notes and going, oh my goodness, why in the world would anyone want to sit and listen to me? But you know what we did? I made a plan. I, I had a goal. I had a purpose. I had a, we're, this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to be about. We're going to commend the truth to every man's conscience, and those that want it will stay, and those that don't will go. And that's okay, because they belong to the Lord. They don't belong to me. In Romans 1, verse 11 and 12, were, were the key items in some of that spiritual de, uh, ministry decisions in the very beginning. Where the Apostle Paul says, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. What is that? That, verse 12, that is, verse 12, here it is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. That is, is that my job as a pastor and your job as a member of the church, the body of Christ, this local church, is that we're going to get on board about some stuff that's going to be of establishment we're going to be about the sound doctrine. We're going to be about teaching and communicating doctrine so that we have a mutual faith. So that when we get together, come together, we're not all over here talking about bing and bang and bouncing off the walls. We've got a goal and an understanding. Come over to Romans 6. Here's the goal. Here's the, here's the whole of it. Here's the, the ministry motivation. Here's the whole thing here, the whole kit and caboodle. I know we've been under, what, three months of stay away. Don't come near me. Good or bad, I, look, folks, if you, that, the virus stuff, it's dangerous. I got it. I'm not trying to belittle that at all. Actually, not at all. If you're sick and you've been around people who've had it, stay home. Get yourself better. Get healthy. See the doctor. Do what you got to do. But I'll be honest with you, some. Enough gets to be enough. We come together. Romans 6, here's the goal. Look at verse 3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in, here's the goal, walking in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. The whole goal, folks, was to, for you to come to understand your identity and who you are in Christ. If you've been to Calvary and you've trusted in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
And in Him and Him alone, you have an identity that you need to know about. You have an identity, a new man, an inner man that you need to understand, you need to feed, you need to build up, because that's what's going to move you out into eternity. We've been talking about God's glory plan and going into the heavenly places and what the future looks like. And death isn't the end. Boy, what a wonderful thing to know that death isn't the end of it all. That beyond death, there's something far better than what we've ever experienced here. That's wonderful to know and to understand. And it's because we know and understand the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when you're there, we are to learn about... That's the focus, man, is to know who you are. Come over to chapter 12 of Romans. Because when you know that, you know what happens to details of life? They get adjusted. 2 Corinthians 5 over there, he says, Behold, all th- uh, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You get a different pers- perspective about details of life. Romans chapter 12. He says in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Boy, reasonable. Think this thing through. Reason it out. God looks at Israel. He looks at man, and he says, come and let's reason together. He's not an unreasonable God. He says, I, here it is. I want you to have a reasonable service. I want you to think about this. Be not conformed to this world. Uh Uh-oh. Well, how how do I not be conformed to this world? Conformed. Look, Look at it. How? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You that. What's that renewed mind going to do? That it ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, folks... Here, think about this. Here you are walking along life's wonderful way. And then you run into Christ, your Savior. And you realize that all of your wonderful life was, as Paul would call it, the offscoring of it all, the filth, dung. Some of you are looking at me like, well, what is he talking about? Okay. Yeah, Exactly. No, listen, you run into Christ and you realize all that has been a waste of time. And now you have this life in Christ. You have a new way of thinking about it. And you know what begins to happen? As you begin to adjust your thinking, drop down to verse 4. For as many as we, I'm sorry, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, now watch, so we, being many, are what? One body in Christ, and everyone members one of... You know what? We need each other. That's what we realize. If you're over here and you realize you're this new thing in Christ and you're learning about your identity and who you are in Christ and the growth and you're transforming, you're renewing your mind, reading three chapters a day from Paul's epistles specifically, and you're growing and you're looking at things, you know what you quickly realize you need is somebody else who thinks like you're thinking now. <laughs> you begin to realize you need, some, you need someone else that's as, nuttier, or nutty, as nuts or nuttier than you are. By the way, you found him. He's right here. Okay? 
Just come on Wednesday nights. We have some good times on Wednesday. But see, the thing is, is that's what begins to happen, is that you realize that we're, we're members one of another. Come back over with me to 1 Corinthians 12. Hold on to Romans 12, but go, flip back over to our Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12. You see, folks, we need each other, not only for the ability to rub up against each other and to work out the doctrine and, and, and see the doctrine work in an action. That's a, by the way, it's a wonderful thing to see us practice the sound doctrines over our lives together. It's wonderful to see that. It's what matures up a church, a local church. It's what grows the church. It's what begins to put energy in it. 1 Corinthians 12, you start at verse 12. But yet we also need each other for some comfort and for some care. 1 Corinthians 12 for as the body is one and have many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And he begins to go down through the issue of the body all the way to 30, verse 31. But I want you to go back up to verse 22. We're just jumping in, okay? He says, Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are what? Isn't that interesting? You look around and you've got strong members, you've got weak, feeble members. What are they? They're necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked that there should be no schism in the body. But that, now watch, the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffereth, all the members suffer with it. For one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now we are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now come over to Romans 12. He's going to start in verse 9. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to amplify that in the doctrine. Verse 9, Romans 12, verse 9. You see, we, we come together for what? Yeah, for learning the doctrine. Yeah, for, for, for working it out. But also for some comfort and care. Romans 12, verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Jump over. Uh, well, verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. You know, how do we know if you had a need of something? If we're not together. Okay? So you got to speak up. I'm not a mind reader. But usually it's what? together bless them which persecute you bless and curse not rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep i'll be honest with you verse 15 has helped me out quite a bit rejoice with them that rejoice it's a good thing when you're all together and, there, and there, people have something to rejoice about and then you can praise the lord and rejoice with them 
But it is far better in the weeping times to have the comfort of the, of the local assembly to come up to you and weep with you. Because rejoicing, they, they said hockey's starting back up and the Coyotes are in the playoffs. Okay? I didn't quite how to take it just yet. The devil's going to be in the details, you watch. But anyway, so Coyotes go down. The Blackhawks are in there too, so okay, I'm, I'm two for two right now. Okay, so what happened? They, woohoo, they win. Or uh-oh, they lost. Now that's a really a, a simple illustration, but what can we do? We can rejoice and we can weep. When Brian passed away, Tremendous support right here for Linda and me and the family. Heavy weep. Okay? How do you do that if we're sitting all at home watching on the Internet? It doesn't do that. It's not meant to do that. It's meant to work together. Come over to 2 Corinthians. Illustrate this with you. Get two passages, 2 Corinthians 2 and 2 Corinthians 7. Folks, I'll tell you what, I, I really struggled with the, the issues of coming back, when to come back, what do we do, how, you know, and I'm sitting there going, well, if, if I'm not going to put partitions down in this room because then somebody will write on there, you know, and graffiti it up, and for a good time, call Rick, and, you know, all this stuff, and just do the things like that. And I'm like, no, I, I know you, see, okay, you know, and it'll be go coyotes and boo Blackhawks and, you know, all this stuff. I know, I know you, okay? But it's like, how do you work this out? How do you do this? How do you handle so people are comfortable with coming? And then I got to thinking about it. You know what makes people comfort with coming is this doctrine right here. So being able to say, hey, you know what? One, we're all adults, most of us. Common sense can come into play, and we can be careful, and we can do the things we need to do. But mostly what happens when you're isolated you were out three months. I was out three months as well. And you know what real quickly happens? Me and Netflix became friends. Because I wasn't driving the school bus. I'm sitting at home. Oh, hello. I like that show. Let's been watch that four seasons. Come on, baby. You know, Linda comes in and says, hey, where are you coming to bed? Nope, season three. Let's go. Hey, I, I'm no better than you. Well, sometimes, okay. Second Corinthians 2, look at Paul. Weep with them that weep. Paul, Second Corinthians 2, verse 13. Paul says, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. Verse 12, he's got a door that's open in Troas, an opportunity to go do ministry, a big opportunity. Boy, you're talking about... Paul's ministry at this point is clicking on all cylinders. Nothing's slowing him down. He's just moving. And all of a sudden, he falls into what we call today depression, a depressed state. There's no rest in my spirit because he's worried about Titus. He got his thinking fixated on the situation that he has no control over. And yet, he's worried about it. And he begins to fret, come over to chapter 7. And, and Titus begins to, he, Paul begins to fixate on Titus so much so that he says, guys, i got to take a week off. I've got to go find Titus. And he leaves the train. <laughs> I mean, that, that ministry train is moving. 
it's growing and people are getting saved and they're coming to the knowledge of the truth and they're moving. And he says, time out, i got to go the other way. And, I mean, I could just see the guys go, huh? What in the world is going on here now? Chapter 7 is going to pick up where 2.13 leaves off. By the way, between 2.13 and 7.374 here, Paul tells you how he got out of that depressed thinking and how he worked through and what ministry was, is to be about and so forth. Verse 5, For when we were come into Macedonia, again, 2.13, he left and went to Macedonia. Now we've come into Macedonia. Our flesh had no rest, but we we're troubled on every side. Without were fightings. Within were what? Fear has gripped him. Paul's emotions, he is down in the dumps. Nevertheless, God, that comforted those that are cast down. There you go, he's down in the dumps. Comforted us by the what? The coming of who? Look who showed up. Titus showed up. And you know what? He was fine. He was okay. He had delivered the, the offering. And so he had done everything he was sent. He was not harmed. But notice how he says it. Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. How did God comfort Paul? Paul, I'm going to comfort you now. I'm going to, Paul, Paul, this is God. I'm going to comfort you now, and I'm going to send rain. <sighs> no. He didn't do old Moses on the back end. What did he do? Who showed up? But now keep reading, because not only Titus showing up, and not by his coming only, verse 7, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoiced the more. Man, when Titus showed up, you know what he did? Paul hugs his neck, and, Paul, and he goes, hang on a minute, Paul. I got a report from the Corinthians down there. And you know what? They love you. They tell you to keep moving. And he gives this wonderful report. So God comforted Tite and Paul with the coming of Titus and the news from the local church down there. See that? Come over to Romans 15. You see, folks... We need each other to be together for some comfort and for some care. Romans 15. We need each other to continue in our growth in the, in the, in the sound doctrine. Romans 15, verse number 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. Where do we get our comfort from? The scripture, but it's, it's not an arbitrary, read that verse, know that verse, live. It's a living of the verse. It's a living of the doctrine. You can sit at home and read every piece of these verses, every one of these, and go, yeah, I got that. And it absolutely means nothing to you in your life. Because you haven't been over here and rubbed up against someone who's been there, done that, and has the scar to show and to help you with it. What helped Paul? Titus and the report from the people. Come over. Oh, you're in 15. Look down at verse 32. Oh, you know what? Hold, just slide something there. Go back to 1 Corinthians 16. I just, this, to me, it was just fantastically 
refreshing to me. I tell the, the kids on, uh, I call them the kids, but on Monday night that they need to be in church on Sunday. Not because they have to be at church on Sunday or else they'll get a lightning bolt strike from heaven. But because they, they, they're going to they, do this right here. Look at 1 Corinthians 16. Watch verse 17. I am glad for the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. Now watch. For they have, what? Refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are. You know what happens when you come to church? You know what you begin to do with each other? You begin to refresh each other. The week is, this past week was a long week. It's been a grueling three months. And the you know what day I look forward to? Even in the shutdown was Sunday morning because I got to see Mark and Brian because they were the only one. Okay, and then Mark and Brian. And then Bruce and Susie. And then Ray and Rebecca. And it was like, you know what, we're going back. As soon as the stay-at-home order goes away, because you know what? I missed you. The refreshment. Come over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. It's amazing to me. Paul, when you come together, don't come together to throw a big party, so to speak. <laughs> but come together for the refresh. 1 Thessalonians 3. Notice verse 2. 1 Thessalonians 3, 2. Uh, verse 1, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. And sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. So what does he do? He sends Timothy to him, right? Verse 6. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you all in our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. You know what Paul says? I had to leave Thessalonica on the night train. I was on the red eye out of town. And, I, and I'm worried about you, so I sent Timothy down there. Timothy has now come back, giving me a good report about you guys. And you know what it did to me? It stoked my fires, and now I'm up here on Mars Hill doing dick, uh, duking it out with the philosophers of the world, of the Roman Greek Empire. And guess what? You go read Mars Hill, and guess what he did to them? Wiped them up and down the floor. Okay? He's, you invigorated me. You refreshed me. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, actually, um, yeah, 2 Corinthians 7. Should have read this when we were here. My bad. 2 Corinthians 7. See, folks, when these guys all get together, and, you know, Paul traveled with a big entourage. He had Barnabas to start, and then he started adding people, and he would send them out to do, and you know what he was? He was anxious until they came back. So he could hear the good report. 2 Corinthians 7. Notice, if you will, verse 13. Therefore we were comforted in your comfort, yea, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. Boy, 
Paul looks at that church at Corinth and says, you know what you guys did to Titus? You refreshed him. And when he came to me, it refreshed me. So we're all benefiting. Romans 15, verse 32. Romans 15, verse 32. So as Arnold Schwarzenegger would say, we're back. <laughs> okay? Or I'll be back, sorry. Hey, look at that. It's bad when you mess up the movie, isn't it? I'll be back. All right? Romans 15, verse 32 at the end of this great passage where Paul talks about him going to take care of, take that offering down to the poor saints which are at Jerusalem, verse 32, he says, that I may come unto you, the folks there at Rome, with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. You know, I, I always said a minute ago, I tell the young kids on, I call them the kids, they're not kids, believe me, the cousins, the Monday night crew, come on Sunday because us older guys need to be refreshed by you guys, the younger people. Because that's an integral component of the local church. Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I got an email this past week. Are you open for in-person services? And I said, yeah, we are. Now, we did it again. Ephesians 4. We did it with an understanding of, what, of, our, of our local governments. I'll be honest with you, if the city of Tempe would open the dog park next door, it would make us being here a whole lot easier for the neighborhood to, to accept because they would be at the dog park <laughs> and it's back to normal. He, they will when they do, I don't know. But when our governor said we're going to let the stay-at-home expire, okay, let's get going back. But why? Because we need each other. We need the social environment. I'm not talking about hugging on necks and shaking. I almost shook this guy's hand the other day. I'm like, whoa, psych. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he's like, I would have shook your hand. It's okay. Then he pulled out like eight bottles of hand sanitizer. <laughs> Do this first. You know? Okay. Why? All of us in this room think about this completely different than each other. And you know what? That's okay. And it's wonderful. Ephesians 4, verse 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint, what? Every piece, every one of us supplies something to this local church. Fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. You see, folks, when we, that's what we need right there. We need to be together, one, to refresh each other, to comfort, to care, the interaction of each other, two, to have the study of the doctrine, to come along then and, and do the work of the ministry. 1 Corinthians 3, when we're looking at the judgment seat of Christ over there, verse 9, he says, we are labors together with God. 
We work together. We're laboring together. We've got a work to do. You're in chapter 4 here. If you look up there at verse 12, he says, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. I can't do the work of the ministry by myself. It takes a group effort to do that, the local church here. And when we do that, chapter 3 here of Ephesians, verse 10, to the intent that now... I'm sorry, verse 9, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. There's the work. Over in, in, in uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse number 4, he says that God's will is, is that all would... Uh, um, i got to read it right because I just butchered it. 2 Timothy... Uh, it's 1 Timothy 2, sorry. Verse number four, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. There's our work of ministry. That's what our ministry is all about. See people get saved and see the saved people come to understand the truth. That's what our ambassadorship's about. Come over to Colossians 2. I want to illustrate this with you just kind of one more time, if you will. Folks, we come together... Over the, by the way, over the break, we did some pretty heavy studies and stuff. And I know it in, on YouTube and everything about the heavenly places and everything. And somebody asked me, why did you continue to do that? Why didn't you stop and talk about COVID-19? I said, why did I need to talk about COVID-19? Everybody knows everything about it. We're all experts in it. He's like, well, maybe because... I said, no. I tell you what, the best thing to talk about is where we're going and what we're going to do when we get there. Let's talk about that. That's a... So I kept talking about it, <laughs> teaching about it. Next week, we're going to go back to heaven. We'll see what the third heaven looks like. Begin to look around. Notice Colossians 2, no, verse 1. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you. I'll be honest with you. That was my thought this whole past three, three months. The great conflict that I have for you guys. To weigh in the balance, to meet, not meet, open, closed. And again, we've got the board, and, and the board and I, we all talk, leadership, team, whatever you want to call it, and we made decisions and so forth. I, and by the way, I'll be honest with you, I think we made the right decisions. Okay? He says, and for them at Laodicea. So the folks at Colossae and the folks at Laodicea. By the way, that's like saying Tempe and Glendale. They're that close to each other. Laodicea, Colossae was the old city, the old part of town. Laodicea was the suburbs, the up and coming, okay? And for as many, notice, as have not seen my face in the flesh. There were some at those folks that had never, at those places that had never met Paul. That their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and into all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledging of the mystery of God and of the Father and none of Christ. There it is. Then you come over to chapter 4. Paul says, i got a great conflict. I want you guys to understand what's going on. I want you guys to understand some knowledge and have some understanding and some wisdom, some prudence. Then in chapter 4, you start in verse 7, and you run down to the end of that book, into that chapter, and he begins to list... All my, verse 7, all my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know your estate and comfort your heart. With Onesimus, verse 10, Aristarchus, 
and Marcus and Barnabas. You got all these guys, verse 12, Epaphras. You got Luke in verse 14. You got uh, Demas. You got all of these guys listed. And you know what they all did for Paul? They refreshed him. Paul says, I'm sitting over here in jail. I can't come to you. I wrote a book to you, Colossians. And I want you to move over. Come over to Hebrews 10. And I want you to go over there. And I want you to get with these folks. And I want you to comfort them. And I want you to refresh them. And then when they came back to Paul, they refreshed Paul. We're back together again. For Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25, are two verse, are, uh, is a set of verses that gets abused when you talk about going to church. But the sentiment is what I want you to catch. Okay? I realize that these times are very un- unprecedented in our lifetime. I Honestly... When you talk to and you listen to the people who are the old timers, they've been, they've been on this earth 80, 90 years, they've never seen a time like this, okay? You go back in history and you see the mask from the Spanish flu, 1918, and all that stuff, right? Do you know what they didn't have? I didn't, it's in there. They didn't have that cell phone. They didn't have social media, They didn't have 24-7. You know what they had? Farms. There's pictures. You've seen them. You go online, Google it. (laughs) It's easy. I did. If I can do it, you can do it. And you see them at a baseball game. And you know what they're wearing at a baseball game? Mask. It's interesting. You see, but they they didn't have what you and I have. And that's that little word that bugs the dickens out of me. It's called hate called shame you know what I'm talking about see they didn't have that back then actually in the early 1900s the late 1800s almost every household in America had a King James Bible in it according to the records of the American Bible Society American Bible Society started in the early 1800s with the primary goal of putting a King James Bible in every house in America of the day. They had a little different thinking. They didn't have a TV. Bloop, 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 bloop. A little different. Today, it's unprecedented. 24-7 news cycle, slam down your throat. I'm, I'm t- and, you know, people say, well, just turn the TV off. No, put your stupid phones down. But you can't. They got you hooked, see. I realize that, and I realize in that history, the body of Christ has had to adjust. Local churches have had to adjust and move and do and different, and we'll have to do that maybe ourselves. But I'll be honest with you, when it comes to the Scripture, it's clear that we are to be together. Now, what that looks like can be anything. The church, the body of Christ... In China, they're together. They're just underground. If they can do it, we can do it. We could probably do it better, (laughs) as the song would say.
But look at Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Now, again, that verse 25 gets abused. But I want you to catch the sentiment of it and what it's really... It's not saying, you've forsaken the assembly, where were you last Sunday? Which is what religion does with it. But notice that verse carefully. First of all, we're to consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. What, one of the good works is the not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. But then he says, as the manner of some is. There's some in religion and Christendom out there that you know what they're doing? They're not getting together. They're doing what that verse says you're not supposed to do. Paul says, what do you do? Get together. Come together. Why? Communicate the doctrine. Take care of one another. We have a food pantry in the back. We did. As soon as the shutdown happened, we had several families that needed help. We went and helped them. We decided not to restock the shelves but to go to gift cards because it was a lot easier to hand them five, you know, $10 gift cards so they can go to Fry's and get what they need. You know, it's one thing to show up with a bucket of canned beans and corn they, and they need diaper for babies. It's a little different. You know, who can eat the, you know, the kid suck on a green bean. I did when I was little, so it's worked for you. But look at that, forsaking the assembly. Not forsaking the assembly, but exhorting one another. That's why we get together. So we're back. And the reason we're back is because we needed to be back together. Again, maintain some common sense, okay? Paul says, listen, when you come together, Let's do it for the better, not for the worse. And as we have that testimony out into the community about us, we have that testimony with each other. There are several of our folks that I've reached out to, talked with. They're not comfortable with coming. That's fine. It's okay. I said, keep us online. They said, we will. I said, good, you know, because we're not here to shame or put, you know, put under or down. But we're here for each other. Okay? Now, all of that's been a pet peeve for the last three months. And I've toned it down other than getting hot and heavy with you. Next week we'll go to heaven, okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for who we are in your son and for the fact that you died for us and you gave us all of our spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. We're going to be standing.